This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we got a special return guest on the podcast, and that is Mark Wayne Mullen. And you might be wondering, did Mark Wayne and Kyle have a falling out because he hasn't been on the show in a while? Well, I don't know if you guys remember, but I'd had back-to-back vocal cord surgeries, and so that was kind of creating some issues for scheduling because I couldn't really talk. And so I don't think I've had him on since earlier this year, like the first quarter, maybe February or March. But he comes on. He's a United States senator representing the great state of Oklahoma. He's going to come on once a month, and that's what he was doing before I had my surgery, but we're, we're getting back at it now. And it's just you know short interviews to talk about some of the biggest topics that are currently happening in the government, perhaps within culture, but we do kind of stick to the politics side of things. So in today's interview, we talk about a lot of great subjects. We talk about UFOs and UAPs, you know, the recent issues that Mitch McConnell had behind the podium when he, you know, had his little incident. We talk about, you know, Biden family corruption. We talk about some other good stuff, but it's a great interview, guys. Enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Mark Wayne Mullen, welcome back to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Uh, Well, thanks for having me back. You know, one day I'm going to surprise you with a black t-shirt. I'm just going to wear the black t-shirt just so we can look like we're clashing. Okay. Senator Mullen, you know the rules. So I'm using your official name whenever I need to really get you to understand something. This is my (laughs) attire, okay? You're not allowed to wear it, but if you do, throw a little red in your beard, throw a little something like that. But hey, the funny thing about it is it's been a while since you and I have chatted. You know, I had a couple of vocal cord surgeries, had to cancel on you a bunch of times. So I got to feel important for canceling on the senator. So probably the most important question I can ask you today is how much did you miss me? I mean, every night I literally just rolled yeah. in pain and agony that yeah. I hadn't heard your voice. Um, and I was worried sick about you. I mean, I just, I'd, I'd make myself vomit. Probably lost 15 pounds worrying about you. Yeah, man. I have that effect on people. I make a lot of people vomit but for a myriad of different reasons, but you know, Hey, I got to send you all the pictures of my scars and everything. So you got right. to kind of vicariously live through that, right. but yeah. that's being the most important thing we could talk about today. But I guess here's the second most important thing that we're supposed to talk about. And I got to admit right from the jump, I don't care about this subject matter at all. I don't find it interesting. I think it's silly, but this week on the Hill, well, this will be coming out, you know, uh, a few days after we actually talked, but there were, whistleblowers on the hill claiming that the United States has UFOs and UAPs and that we've retrieved technically aliens. And then every time they were asked a direct question, it's like, oh, well, you know, I can't talk about that, you know, in public. So I talked to your your Republican Senate buddy, Josh Hawley, about this, and he kind of obfuscated my question a little bit. But I guess I got to ask you, where are the UAPs, Mark Wayne? Where are the aliens? I want to see them. Well, I would, too. Uh, I, you know, I sat on the House Intelligence before I was went over to the Senate. On the Senate side, I sat on the Senate Armed Services, which we have. Uh, um, I carry the same clearances as I did in the House, and not every, every not every member has the same clearances. Uh, everybody has a TS, but the clearances at TS that's just like the beginning level of, of being of being cleared for sensitive information. Uh, and so, I, I carry a very high clearance. I I I have been briefed on this subject and. Uh, Kyle, I'm telling you, I, the stuff that's coming out right now, I I haven't been briefed on any of that. I, I just I'm sitting there looking at it, going, "Well, that's new to me too," because I've been defense. I, I've been I've been uh, briefed from the intelligence side of things, which is a different community. It's a different apparatus. So the IC world, which we tell the intelligence community, which are those are all the alphabet communities, which most people know is CIA and FBI, but there's another 14 of them out there. I'm not exaggerating by that. Uh, and, uh, and we call them the alphabet community. And then from the defense side, which the defense also has an intelligence arm too. 
And, uh, and I just, the stuff that's coming out, it's, it's, it is new to me. And I'd be shocked at how much of this, actually, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think we'll be surprised how much of this is actually blown out of proportion uh, versus what's actually real. I think when people start thinking about UFOs, they go like, I mean, they, they, they start thinking about Hollywood and the production and these flying saucers uh, and uh, these aliens with big green heads stepping out. I, I don't, I think you're going to be actually disappointed now. Have we had unidentified aircrafts uh, flying around? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've seen those. There's things that maneuver in the air that we're like, how did that happen? It's not, uh, it's not technology that, that we have inside our, uh, uh, inside the aerospace industry yet. But uh, as far as the stuff that's coming out, I, I think a lot of it may be blown out of proportion. Uh, maybe I'm surprised. Maybe it won't be. But like I said, I've been read in on a couple of these programs and it's, uh, everything I'm hearing is, is, is slightly exaggerated in what I've been told. Not saying it's not true, just saying yeah. what I've been told. Well, and there's a lot of people that when they talk about this, whether they, you know, go before the hill or they go in the Joe Rogan experience or something like that, when it's always, I talk to a guy that I trust yeah. that actually saw the thing or that read the report on the thing. And then the people that claim to have actually seen the thing are some of the least credible sounding and looking people on planet earth. And so again, I don't want to belabor this point now, too much further, just, but go ahead. Let me, let me explain this to the, those individuals that say, I talked to a guy that told me, um, yeah. They didn't talk to a guy that told them because a guy that they talked to would never said it because our clearances are so high. It's not worth risking our jobs or careers or whatever. It's over. And we're not going to talk to a guy uh, that could go to a podcast to talk to the Joe Rogan experience. I'm not saying that, 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 that those individuals are not been told a story, but maybe that person they talked to this credible supposedly talked to somebody else that they assumed was credible that that supposedly talked to the guy that actually knows and it's kind of like whispering a secret to somebody in a line of five people and by the time it gets yeah. back to you it's nowhere even close to being the same because everybody adds their own little flair and their own little interpretation to it uh and so i'm not saying those people wasn't told something but it was the person that they're saying that was credible source isn't the guy He's not the person because the person that has that knowledge won't be talking about it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's something for people to talk about, pundits to talk about, people to talk about on their podcast. But I, I just, I again, I find it deeply uninteresting. A more interesting topic that I would like to talk about, and it's it's kind of sensitive considering the timing, but for for literally years now, or I guess it would be months for some of them, there's been a lot of concern over Joe Biden's mental ability to be the president because it's obviously yeah. he has dementia. He's definitely going downhill. And then you have some of your Senate colleagues like John Fetterman and Dianne Feinstein. These are people who do not have full capable faculties uh, mentally. But then, you know, again, we're this will be released next week. But in the last couple of days, we saw Senator McConnell have a very scary thing happen during, you know, he's addressing the media and then he just stops talking and people are speculating like, Oh, he had a stroke or he had a seizure. Or he had something, this, that, or the other thing. Now, obviously if Joe Biden goes down, there's a Democrat that replaces him. If Einstein or Fetterman go down, there are democratic governors in those States that will appoint democratic senators to their spots. The problem with McConnell's, if someone like him was unable to continue as a United States Senator, there's a democratic president of Kentucky. And that creates a large problem for the balance of power inside the Senate. And so again, I, I guess technically he's your boss since he's the, the Senate minority leader, yeah. those types of things. But talk, talk to the Republicans listening to the show that are like, what in the world was that? What what was what should we be thinking now? Well, I would 
I would suggest them actually understanding uh, Mitch McConnell himself. He, it's not that he's having a stroke or anything like this. Mitch was, um, he almost died when he was young because he had polio. And he was bedridden for, uh, for literally two years. Uh, and, you know, back when he got polio, no one survived from it. I mean, very little. The, the chances of surviving was, was very slim. Uh, and so he had to learn how to walk and learn how to use his limbs again. And he's got his book tells the whole story, but his polio is flaring back up. And I will tell you what, what he told me a few months ago. He says, you know, I, I, I really have always had to really think about moving one of his limbs. Um, he's, but he still played baseball and he was still active as a kid. Mm-hmm. He said, but as I got older, it started to flare up again. And my leg is starting to drag, he says. But what happens is when the pain, because it, it would it would paralyze a lot of people and it would literally shoot up your back. And so it attacked your nervous system, attacked your spinal cord. He says, and when it attacks me, he says, when it hits, he says, it locks me up. He says, I mean, it locks me up to the point to where, uh, and I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying it just like he said it. He, he doesn't, I mean, he, he's, he's a man of few words. But so I'm explaining to you why he explained mm-hmm. it to me. He says, when it hits me, it hits me hard. It's, it hurts so bad for such a small amount of time. He says, but it literally just freezes me up, like my whole body freezes. And uh, and I haven't talked to him since the incident at the podium about the subject. I mean, I've talk, I talked to him last night on the House floor. We were voting late last night on NDA, but we didn't talk about this. What I saw that happened was he, that, that shooting pain, that agonizing pain that just kind of runs up. Anybody that has severe nerve issues or back pains mm. where you get that just sudden burst of pain that just goes, Ugh, that's what I saw. You saw him grab the podium. You saw him go pale and he sat there for a second, just like somebody that just got a excruciating pain. And then he walked off on his own and he was back at the floor that night voting and talking and it never came up. So I, I'm thinking that's what happened. I'm not worried about him having a stroke. I'm not worried about anything like that. His falling incidents where he fell and, and hurt himself uh, a few months ago, uh, once again, uh, that was, uh, I mean, according to what I know, that was his body lynched, gripped up, and he fell backwards. Um, I think this goes back to the polio uh, 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 time when he was, when he was younger. Uh, and, uh, and the other day on the plane, what the reports are that he fell on the plane, same thing, his body locked up and he fell. And so I think that's what happened at the podium too. And it's just unfortunate. I mean, he's 81 years old or 80 years old, super sharp. He, he has a, uh, a very sharp mind. Uh, and because when he still talks every day in conference and he, he delivers himself very well, but I think this disease is just coming back and running his head on him. So I appreciate that that explanation, that insight there. It does a little bit beg the question. I wasn't planning on asking this, but it begs the question a little bit about people that are serving us in government, that are representing us, and them aging out at a certain point. Because yeah, for every you know eighty something year old grandpa or grandma that is you know sharp as a tack and you right. know witty and all that, there are other people that are completely broken down. But if you're a deeply entrenched you know government person and you're you're on your 10th time in the Senate or something like, well, that the math doesn't quite work out, but you, you get what I'm saying. Right. If you've been in the Senate for forever and ever and ever, and you're going to keep getting reelected, even if you're a corpse like Diane Feinstein, at some point it's like, do we really need to discuss, you know, maybe term limits isn't the right thing, but like an age limit to where it's like, look, not every 80 year old is created equal, but if you're 80 and you've served in the Senate for X amount of years, it's like, all right, go on and retire, get out of here. Well, I, I, I think that's hard to say that because you take Chuck Grassley, for instance, uh, from Iowa. Chuck is 
89 or 90. I don't know. And he runs almost two miles every day. And the guy is sharp as he can be. I mean, he's one of my favorite guys to sit down and talk to. Uh, not, does he have, not only does he have a wealth of knowledge, but he's just funny. I mean, he is so stinking funny. Last night we were on the floor voting at 10 o'clock, and he had, he, had the, he had three or four of us around just laughing. And so you take somebody like him that is sharp, capable of doing his job, still out there, and you can't compare those to somebody else that maybe their health or their genetics aren't as good. So I, I hate putting a time limit on everybody, on anybody, but here's what we do have. Um, in the House, every two years, they got to go up for re-election and their constituents choose to, uh, choose to either accept them or not. So you got built-in term limits. In the Senate, we go every six years. In a sense, you have built-in term limits. And I'm, I'm not trying to be crazy about it, but I'm just saying you yeah. do. And and then again, also, you also have your family that, that should hold you accountable. My, yeah. my uh, priorities are God, family, and everybody else. And I mess those priorities up all the time, but those are always my center. I always try to go back to those. Typically, it's after my wife gives me a, a very strong correction and says your, your priorities are all messed up. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm sure none of us have ever dealt with that before. But it's like my it's like what Christy said to me. She said, you know, Jill Biden should be the one term living Joe Biden. Jill should be the one grabbing him by the shoulder and say, honey, it's time to come home. Because as she says, my job is to watch out for you and your job is to watch out for me. And when we're not clicking like we should and we're not capable of doing things, especially at the highest level, be it in the Senate or at the presidency or in Congress or at the state legislature, or even in your, as a CEO of your job or just an employee of your job, you, you still have to perform at a certain level. When you're unable to perform that, then it's your loved ones around you that should be holding you accountable. And then you should have a strong talk with yourself. I don't know if Joe Biden is capable of having a talk with himself. I think anybody that looks at his, at his eyes and looks at his body language would tell you that he's suffering from some type of mental illness right now. And I'm not trying to be mean to him. Right. That's I'm not trying to get punchy. I actually have a heart for it because in my family, unfortunately, dementia does run in my family. Uh, and and so we've dealt with this on a very, very close, um, uh, um, a very close and personal relationship with this. And I see the same traits in him. And I'm not a doctor and I'm trying to diagnose him, but I see some of the same traits in him that I've seen in some of my loved ones. Yeah, I don't think you need to be a doctor or have an AI program to be able to tell you that that something like this is happening and that it's concerning. But you, right. you make a great point. The same thing, you know, we're both MMA fans. You actually have a, a you obviously have an MMA background. Think about the fighters that stick around too long. Like I remember yeah. when Chuck Liddell got knocked out. You know, seven out of his last eight fights. Even Anderson Silva hung around too long. Yeah. BJ Penn hung around too long, and it's like at some point it, it was is no one going to tell this person because some people are like, Oh, they're fighters. You know, they want to go out on their shield. They want to do all that. But I do remember, I mentioned Chuck Liddell uh, before he fought Tito for the third time. He came back when he was like 50 years old to fight him for a third time. His main coach that was with him for his entire career said, I'm not going to corner you for this fight. I'm not going to train you for this fight. You can't yeah. do it. Now Chuck did it anyway, but I think the point is, is well served that look, yes, you do need people around you. And that's just generic good advice for not the pr people that are in the white house and people that are just like around your neighborhood. You got to have people that'll tell you no at some point. Well, it's, it, it, it can't be your identity. If you allow sure. what you're doing sure. to become your identity and, and, and that's why you should have priorities, God, family, and everything else. Now that's what mine is. God, family, and you, that's what I say. God, family, you, that means everything else. Um, being a senator isn't my identity. My identity is found in Christ and who I identify to be is a, I try to be a decent Christian. I'm horrible at it, but I try, but I want to be a great husband and I want to be a wonderful father. 
that's more important to me than anything else that I do. But I can't say that that's the same for everybody else because that identity of what you, what the perception of the public is of you becomes more important and you got to live up to that persona. Uh, and I think senators, not senators, but elected officials all the time, they get that title and they think that that title is it identifies them. And I'll tell you the best advice that I ever got as an elected official. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Two best advice. Uh, one was um, people in politics will hurt you a lot to gain themselves a little. So I never want to use politics to throw somebody underneath the bus, including the current president. That's why I want to make it very clear. I wasn't making a political punch at him. I was I was making from a personal perspective, uh, even though politically I disagree with the guy completely on everything. But I but um, uh, but the other piece of advice I got was from Speaker John Boehner when I first got in office um, 11 years ago. He's walking. I, I didn't even know who John Boehner was when I was running for office. Okay, I, I had politics was new to me. I'd never been to the state capitol. I'd never been to the nation's capitol. And I walk in at the nation's capitol as, a, as an elected official. And I'm like, wow, you know, and I'm at all. And uh, John Boehner wants me to come to his office in, this, in the in the in the capitol. And I go over there. And they call votes and we're walking to votes. And here's the speaker of the of the, of the house, the, the third in line to the presidency. And there's a member of Congress being rolled to votes. He's literally in a uh, um, in a wheelchair, and they got a big quilt around him. He looked like he looked awful. And he said, and John Boehner always smoked. Didn't make any difference where he's at. He always smoked. He was a chain smoker. And he goes, <clears throat> Mullen, don't ever be that guy. And I said, What do you mean? He said, Don't ever be that guy. He's been here so long that he thinks this is his family, and he's lost his family. His wife has passed away. He has no relationship with his kids and he has no friends back home because he thinks this is the reality. The truth is when he dies, I'm going to give 60 seconds of silence. Uh, I'm going to gavel down and immediately everybody's going to start talking about who his replacement is going to be. And within a year, most people won't be able to remember his name. About two months later, exactly what he said took place. And to this day, I cannot remember his name. And the guy served for like 40 years. So there has to be some of that identity that's taken place that you're rooted deeply. So, you know, when it's time to come home, I'll tell you right now, for me, I have a set amount of years that I'm willing to serve. My wife and I, we talked about it. We said how long we're going to do this and when it's time to come home. We're not basing it on my health, even though if my health were to fail, I would. But I, I think it's I don't, I'm not going to be there till my health hopefully fails. I hope I'm still healthy, but we have a set number of years in our head and the age of when I'm coming out already. Her and I made that agreement uh, before we even ran for Senate. Well, and obviously, Mark Wayne, the, I mean, it's, that's great to hear as, you know, uh, you're representing me in the state of Oklahoma as someone who voted for you. Uh, and that's that's a very, very important thing. All for, three for times or just once. Hear that. It's important I know this. So did you vote all three times for me or just once, Kyle? This is very all important. Three times. All three times. <laughs> I well, hey, and I told you this off air, but I'll, I'll even yeah. say it here on air because yeah. I can't remember I said it on the show. But uh, T.W. Shannon was and is a, a friend oh, of mine. And going into y'all's runoff, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to vote for T.W. He's a Latin guy. I'm a Latin guy. Yeah. And whenever I interviewed you both for my show, uh, not only did that sway the opinions of a lot of people in my community that sent me messages to say, hey, Mark Wayne won me over. I'm going to vote for him in the runoff. Like it swayed me as well because I was just like, and it was nothing against TW. It was just no, a matter of, yeah, this is, this is a, this is kind of who I want to go to. So, but don't be checking me on my own show. I, okay, I was, like, I was, you know, I was, why you going to do that? 
Why did I do that? Why I was just giving you a hard time. You, you and I talked about that privately. I don't think you've ever said it. I was giving you, I was just giving you a hard time. Like yeah. TW is don't a good worry. guy. I, I talked to him. I, I, I probably literally talked to him once or twice a month still yet. Uh, and which that's a lot. I mean, I wish I'd say talk more to someone because I had, I mean, I told you then I have nothing against TW. We just have different opinions and different outlooks on things, but that doesn't mean I don't like the guy. Uh, and nor would I ever blame anybody for running for public office. I, I don't get mad at people running against me. That's, that's, you know, that's your prerogative. You can do it. I got upset and I ran too. So why would I get mad at somebody else doing the same thing? Well, hey, I'll tell you this much. If you ever try to catch me on my show again, we are going to have massive issues. And I can say that because you're halfway across the country right now and I'm not hey, actually in the same room as you. Let me tell you, I started rolling again recently. Uh, and, Whoa, uh, I, well, that's I the breaking news we need to talk about. I, I, hadn't, I, hadn't, I haven't rolled consistently in, uh, in 11 years. And I haven't been on the mat in five, other than just Ooh. wrestling with my boys. But the SWAT yeah. team up at Capitol, uh, the Capitol Police, that they're the ones. Capitol, see, every U.S. Marshals take care of judges. Secret Service takes care of the executive branch. So the, the president, his cabinet members, Capitol Police are our federal uh, officers. So that's people, when they when we have security with us, people think we have Secret Service. It's actually Capitol Police. So they're federal officers. Mm -hmm. And so their SWAT team. Um, I, I know several people on their SWAT team and we've become buddies and talked a lot and, and, uh, and stuff. And so their instructor, uh, wanted to roll with me and I thought they were inviting me to go roll, like work out the whole team. So a few weeks ago they called me and they said, Hey, why don't you come roll with us at 630 in the morning? I said, yeah, perfect. Love to do that. I've been wanting to do it anyways. That's good. I thought we was all going to roll together. No, they had a mat set up. Everybody was around and him and the instructor. Uh, and I went at it for 45 straight minutes. Now for not sitting on the mat for yeah. five years and to go for 45 minutes, I, by noon, I wasn't walking very well. I, I was, yeah. I was sore. And it was so bad because I, I, the first 15 minutes, of course, my heart rate is up and I'm trying to lower my heart rate and I'm yeah. trying to catch my breath. And then I kind of settled in, but still yet I would see something. And by the time I'd see it, my body wouldn't react like it used to. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I hate this. And so yeah. when I got off the mat, I was like, okay, I'm going to start rolling consistently now. <laughs> okay. So you so you say you're going to start rolling consistently now. Like, are, are you actually going to start rolling consistently now? Is that, yeah. is that going to happen? I've committed to, and I know this doesn't sound like a much too, but for me and my schedule, I've committed to rolling uh, twice a week. And so uh, about the only time I can fit it in, though, is 530 in the morning. So I'm limited on my, uh, I'm limited on, on the places that open at 530 in the morning. Uh, it's, yeah. but there's a place and, uh, there's a place in Broken Arrow that, uh, that's a good friend that they have a class at five 30 in the morning. And then, um, uh, the, the, uh, SWAT team said that they would, uh, that they would be willing to roll with me anytime. So that's where I'm going to go. Well, that's the thing is it's just the consistency of getting in there. And like, <laughs> I can't imagine, cause I've been training for six years, you know, so I started at the age of 30, you know, jujitsu specifically right. and like Mark Wayne, I can feel it if I take like two weeks off. Like if something yep. goes on, I'm, I'm traveling or if I get sick or injured or surgery or something like that. And then I come back to the mat and I'm just like, I don't, I don't have any idea what to do. And then you get out there, you start rolling. And, but like, I can't imagine what like your body feels like after not, cause that is a different level yeah. of cardio. So like if you're in triathlon shape, great, good for you. You're going to come in and get smashed in a six minute round with like, you know, middle of the road blue belt. It's just the reality of it. Right. Um, yeah. Now I know you need to get on with the rest of your day, but I did want to ask you about one more thing because 
there's a lot of smoke right now because again, you, you delineated earlier, you're not taking personal shots at Joe Biden because of his health. Obviously you, you, we should be praying for his health. We want him to be healthy. We can disagree on his, on him policy wise, but we want him to be healthy. But the U S house oversight committee chair, James Comer of Kentucky, um, they're doing an investigation of what I guess we could call the Biden family corruption, the Biden crime family. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that would lead us to believe that there is deep levels of corruption and has been deep levels of corruption with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and overseas business associates and governments. And that it's potentially been going on for decades involving millions and millions of dollars being transferred to Joe Biden personally. Again, I felt like I was as careful as I could to describe that in the way allegedly that all that is happening. So what a lot of people are talking about is that impeachment uh, proceedings and investigations could be in the offing. And then part of it is like, well, does that technically matter because the House will would probably impeach him, but they don't have the votes in the Senate? Obviously, anytime a a president is brought up on impeachment charges, that's a big deal. But just kind of give me your read of this situation as we sit right here in July of 2023. Well, let me uh, give you a little bit more background on this. Uh, um, Jason Smith is chairman over Ways and Means. And uh, he's also a roommate of mine. He rents a room uh, off of uh, off of myself, and uh, and very good friend. He's one of my best friends, uh, and so we're very close. He's chairman. Well, these whistleblowers came to him because these are IRS agents. Ways and means are over um, taxes, and so this is this process has been going on for a while, and I've known about it for a while. Uh, it just recently went public and um, exposed a lot of the financial dealings. That, uh, that the IRS actually had on him. So a lot of the information we have got came from the whistleblowers that were investigating the Biden family, especially Hunter Biden. And they were told essentially, not essentially, they were told to stand down. And, um, and these IRS agents, which one, by the way, is a Democrat and lives with, uh, with his, his husband, and, uh, and we'll openly tell you, I am not affiliated with the Republican Party. In fact, I philosophically disagree with them wholeheartedly. But my job was impeded by what was going on. And he's one of the whistleblowers. He's one of the ones that, expo- that, that allowed himself, would I say, would expose himself to the public, yeah. allowing himself to, to come out and taking the veil of, 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 um, of, of uh, uh, whistleblower protection off of him. And, uh, and there's a lot of information that's come up, which is now forced uh, James Comer to, not James Comer, sorry. Um, oh my goodness, my, my mind just slipped me. Jamie, uh, is it Comer? Is that right? Well, so James Comer is the House Oversight Committee Chair, I believe. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm thinking the FBI director. My mind was going different directions. But anyways, he, oh, yeah, yeah. he has... Yeah, he has uh, he has now taken it on to himself, and so has Jim Jordan, both through judiciary, has taken it on themselves to start going through this this process of investigating. To say that it's impeachable isn't there yet, uh, and I will say that the Republican Party is going to be very careful about not using impeachment for a political tool, which is what Pelosi and the Democrats did, and which is also why the impeachment hearing was very short and sweet when it came to Biden because they knew, or not Biden, when it came to Trump because they knew that, that it was political. So the way it works is the House impeaches and the, and the Senate puts them on trial. Uh, in this case, keep in mind that an impeachable offense technically has to happen while 
they're in office. Now that's important to understand. Yeah. It has to happen while they were in office. Some of them have linger effects, but that window is very, very, very narrow. So what he did as vice president doesn't necessarily say what it, that is impeachable now, because when our founding fathers set it up uh, in our constitution, keep in mind that all of them were considered criminals in the eyes of the British. Uh, and so th they, that wasn't an issue for them if you had a felony charge or anything like that on you to keep you and prohibit you from serving in office. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a very delicate road that we're walking through. I will say that it is looking like it's going to be an impeachable offense and it's going to be def It's definitely looking like that Hunter Biden is going to go to jail. Now, if his dad decides to, to, um, uh, to pardon him, that's up to him. And I would say, I think most dads probably would pardon their sons or their children. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, if you had that, uh, that ability to do that. But it doesn't look good. And the road that we're going to, the more the more pieces of paper we find, the more people coming forward, uh, I, I think it could definitely lead to the road of impeachment. But we're not there yet, I don't believe. Not with the information I've seen. Yeah, there's there's still quite a long time for this to happen. And obviously, you know, election season is just now heating up. You know, we're about to have the first, you know, Republican debates here in a little bit. Is Trump going to show up? Is he not going to show up? So there's, again, every two years, like it's a, it's a complete circus and technically the circus never stops. And this is just part of the proceedings. But we've covered a lot of ground today, but that's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man, I appreciate you. You put me back on your show and glad you're healthy and able to do this again. Yeah, let's see if we can get back on that once a month cadence and Done. maybe this time I can you know, hold up my end of the bargain. Mark Wayne Mullen, thank you for coming back on a Dawn to Life of Man's podcast. Thanks. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed the latest installment of From the Senate with Mark Wayne Mullen. Before I let you go, I'm going to give you a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So I've got two links for you today. I've got a link to our donation website. So if you like the stuff that we produce, make sure that you hop on board and donate. And I've also got a link to Mark Wayne Mullen's website so you can keep up with him. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. Also, we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Perpetua, which is off their self titled debut album on face down records the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah <laughs>